0: practical tips, tools, and resources you can implement today to bust through your own internalized prisons of worry and doubt. And now, without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box.
1: Hi, and welcome to this episode of the No Labels, No Limits podcast, a podcast all about helping action takers and decision makers like you align their purpose to their principles, and achieve their goals in business and in life. Hi, I'm Sarah from Sarah Box Coaching and Consulting. I'm a change agent, a former executive director, and best-selling author of The Changemaker Ripple Effect, a book about how one person's drive, purpose, and boldness can impact thousands. And I'm here to tell you that the life you want is possible with the right support, mindset, and strategy. And in fact, Today's episode, we're going to be joined by Caroline Thompson. Now, Caroline knows a thing or two about boldness and purpose and drive, and she will share that with us. But before we get going, let me tell you a little bit about her. Caroline is an intuitive marketing coach and content strategist. She helps female coaches create click ass content. Nice alliteration there. So they can increase organic sales without feeling icky about it. Yeah, no one likes to feel icky about sales. Caroline managed to fight through and overcome a lot of hardships and obstacles to get to where she is today. And ultimately, she created a life-changing program for wellness coaches and spiritual entrepreneurs. So in this episode, you're going to hear how harsh bullying caused her to be silenced, leading her to deep depression, how she overcame it, and how she recovered from a near-death experience after suffering life-threatening injuries, and then how after recovering, Caroline arrived at the moment of clarity, leading to a huge breakthrough in life, and finally, we're going to talk about why she created her four-month wellness marketing accelerator program for wellness coaches and spiritual entrepreneurs and how that program actually transforms the women it serves. So now with all of that, let's welcome our guest, Caroline Thompson. Hi, Caroline.
2: Hi, how are you? I'm so happy to be here.
1: Well, it's great. I'm great. And it's great to have you on the show. But before we dive in, let me ask you is there a non-negotiable ritual or habit that you do daily that keeps you focused and headed in your big towards your big goal and on track
2: mm-hmm. well every day so i am not a very habitual person but i do have little things each day that i do but i'm i'm such a spontaneous person it's really hard for me to keep like a schedule but something that really does help me is to get my thoughts out on paper every single day, create a list of what I want to accomplish. And I just find that, that that really sets things in motion and cements it in my brain more than just typing it out or something. So yeah, that and taking a bath, love baths.
1: <laughs> so water and writing. Mm-hmm. So let me, add. this is an off the wall question. I don't recall ever asking anybody this question. What is your astrological sign?
2: Oh my God, I was going, I knew this was going to come up because I'm intuitive. Um, So my sun is Pisces, my moon is Aries, and my rising is Sagittarius.
1: Well, you got some water in there. I was thinking, okay, what's the scoop with the bath? It's the water.
2: Yep, that's my sun.
1: I'm with you. Okay, there. Love it. And um, hey, if you want to do this whole thing by intuition, it'll be really hard for the audience to hear it. So let's, we'll keep it vocal, but that was a fun little digression.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Hey, so I'm really curious about your backstory and what the heck you went through to get to this moment in time we're in. So will you share a bit about your stories and experiences and that moment of clarity?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. So growing up, I I was really in an oppressive environment, um, not only in the home, but also I went to a Catholic school. I live in the South, the very deep South in Alabama. So obviously, it's a lot more traditional and conservative. And so I really wasn't allowed or encouraged to be my, my true authentic self. And I had a lot of bullying was a major, major issue growing up. It started with, I mean, other kids were bad growing up, but the teachers were really bad towards me specifically. And my, I was a youth group leader and my leader was awful to me. And then high school came around and older boys were mean to me. It was it was the people that usually you think just like mean girls at school, but it was so much worse than that. Um, I can handle a few dirty looks and um, some mean comments from girls, but it was, it was, it was boys. Like not only did I want them to find me like appealing, but it it was also a big shot to my ego. And then it was also the people I looked up to my leaders and so I always just thought something was wrong with me. And I just needed to lay low and be quiet and just stay out of the limelight. So when I went off to college, because I was so oppressed, I just kind of went wild. I was like, hey, like I'm here, no rules. And... I started focusing on the wrong things. I was partying too much. I was didn't care about school, didn't really think about my future. All I really cared about was, hey, like now I can do whatever and there's too many people around, like I don't know half these people. So, it was a couple years of that and I was just getting so burnt out and I was just really really depressed when I was I was trying to have fun, like on the surface I was having fun, but inside it was just killing me because I knew that I needed something more, but I just didn't know. I mean, I went to the university of Alabama and Tuscaloosa can be a very dark hole for some people. You can go spiral down pretty quickly. So one night junior year in college I was in a horrible car accident, was ejected from the car at 100 miles an hour. The driver was going way too fast, um, even though we were telling him to slow down. And we, the, the car, I guess, they said that I rolled out the side window and it rolled over me but if they don't know for sure, it all happened so fast. And then my best friend had half of her face ripped off. There were four, six, there were six of us in the car and we all just had really bad injuries and I broken my pelvis in three places. I had some other injuries in college, but this was the most, this was the awakening moment. And So after that, that was such a, why am I here kind of thing? Because I had a lot of survivor's guilt. Some of the other people in the car had it a lot worse off than I did. I was wrestling with the fact like, okay, why would I survive? And I know people who have been in the same situations as me or have been in car accidents and they didn't like, why, why am I here? And that I really realized that it was a, like a gift from God. Like God saved me for a reason. I was not supposed to live through that. None of us were, we have a job to do. And now I'm going to live the life that I know I deserve and that I want to. So after that, I, I went backpacking in Europe for two months. I really got out and started to explore things. I started a blog and I really, really started expressing myself and being myself, finding myself really. And yeah, that was, that kind of sparked this whole going out on my own path and being bold and expressing myself.
1: So I want to make a distinction. You're not saying the only way people can have that moment of clarity is to be in a near death but for you, it took that
2: much. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. Yes, it actually, it really did. Because, of course, I mean, eventually I'm sure it would have hit me, but that really jolted it, jolted it really, really quickly. <laughs>
1: well, and you're right. I mean, those situations, even as you were describing how fast you were going and being ejected, the mere fact that you all made, even regardless of how bad the injuries were, that in itself is miraculous.
2: Mm hmm. Yes, you know. exactly. It was I can't believe it to this day. It's crazy.
1: Well, it happened, so you kind of have to believe it
2: right <laughs> I believe it was for a reason. I absolutely yeah.
1: do. So that's that's kind of leads me to one of my next questions. So you talked a little bit about your perspective on life before, and I can only imagine how hard that would be to be your younger self, you know, in high school and feeling so bullied and shut down. Was there a place where you just thought, man, what is wrong with me or what's wrong with the world? Is the world really this mean? Were you in that, that much of a dark space?
2: I thought it was me. I never even considered that it could be someone like an outside source. I mean, I just heard over and over again that I was the problem Something was wrong with me. There were, the boys in school were telling me to kill myself on Facebook. I mean, it was horrible. It was terrible. It, they were terrible things. And so, of course, I mean, now I, as someone who has traveled the world and is a lot more aware of what's going on, now I see the issues with the environment that I was in. But back then, when you're young, I mean, that's all you're conditioned to think. Like this is what's wrong with you. You just need to be quiet, you need to shut up and sit down. So
1: well it's a it's a pretty powerful survival mechanism, right? To just get small and get quiet. But it's it can become its own prison, like you just described, right? You're stuck in it and it's hard to be out. So when you came back and you started writing your blog and and really being more of yourself and engaging. authentically what did that feel like for you it was it like a immediate light switch goes on and you're going oh this feels great I'm comfortable putting myself out there like that or did you have moments of going back and forth
2: oh yeah I I really didn't like start dipping my toe in. I just went all out and was like, you know what? YOLO, you only live once. I'm going for it. I mean, what else do I have to lose? At that point, that is what my thought process was, was what else do I have to lose? I, the first half of my life wasn't great. So how much worse could it be? Seriously. (laughs) So I, I just went all in and really asked myself okay what do i want to do i have spent my entire life making everyone else happy and silencing myself to make sure everyone around me is comfortable but what do i want to do and so then i just started researching and started reading and getting to know myself i think that was the biggest thing was really finding myself after being told for so long who I should be. I just didn't know what I wanted, honestly. And so it just kind of, I just kind of set off on this journey and my blog was really, was just about my life and what I was going through and what I was doing and updates on like what I thought spirituality was and all this stuff, it was really just my thought. So that really helped me kind of come out of my shell. And it forced me to really show the world who I was and what I was doing. And yeah, it was, it took, there were definitely times, especially because where I grew up, the people around me can be very close minded and conservative. So of course, I mean, on a regular basis, I was like, Oh my God, what are people going to think of me? And like, I would get really bold and publish something and share it to my Facebook wall. And then the next day I would just be like in a corner, like, Oh my God, why did I do that? Why did I write that? Oh my gosh. It was, of course. But that's, that's how most people go through this journey. I mean, when they start doing something they haven't done before, it can be uncomfortable. So yeah, it was, it was, it was a roller coaster.
1: (laughs) It always feels a little uncomfortable when you're out into the area that is unknown, but it beckons you, right? It's like, you're saying you're looking for, you know, Caroline, what's Caroline? want? It's like, well, you've got to go searching. Just like you took off to go to Europe and travel. You don't know until you experience. And you can always say, didn't care for that country, not going back.
2: Yep. There were definitely a couple of those.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, it's, you know, if you don't go, you don't, you don't grow either, whether it's actually going somewhere, or trying something. What was one of the first surprising things you learned about yourself when you started down this new journey?
2: I would say how good I am at just meeting people and making connections and conversing with people from different backgrounds. Like I'm very adaptable and being growing up in an environment where really everyone kind of wears the same things and I'm I'm not trying to like talk bad about my hometown or anything it's just the way it is down here but yeah really branching out and seeing how many how many other like cultures there are and how I could easily blend into them and make friends everywhere and that is now my favorite thing to do. I was all, I was really shy growing up. I was pretty shy and realizing that, Hey, once you're in the right environment, or once you are more confident in yourself, you can really speak to anyone. So yeah, I was, I was really surprised by that.
1: That's so funny. Um, This is a a little bit of a tangent, but I remember growing up and people would say to me something about my mom, right? Like how how much they loved her, why they, I'm thinking, I don't even know who you are, right? That was Um, my dad, yeah. yeah. And and she, for a time when she was in her 60s, 50s, 60s, she had this part-time job at this candy shop, which of course we loved because it was, this was like the guy made the candy shop, right? But people would go in just to talk to her. And then um, random, like after she passes, you know, which was another 20 years on, we're in San Francisco, my two sisters and I just having lunch at this restaurant. And we hear someone say, I think that's who those, I think those are Ruth's daughters, right? So me, I don't mind. I said, <laughs> I'm thinking I eavesdrop. I don't care. And I said,
2: yeah, me too.
1: <laughs> what Ruth are you talking about? So they said, my mom said, I says, yeah, we're her daughters. They go, we loved her. She knew how to talk to anybody. She would always listen. And it was that whole thing about just being kind and interested, right? But she had what you're talking about for yourself, that ability just to be there and be present. And people always felt better after hanging out with her. And I thought, man, what a great gift. I hope I inherit that or learn it you know, somewhere along. Mm-hmm. But you never know how far that ability that you have, Caroline, goes to really help somebody that you may never see again.
2: Mm -hmm. oh yeah I mean it is I'm I'm very grateful to have that like empathy is can be really difficult for some people and that is something that well it can be difficult for me too because I feel so I feel other people's emotions and can connect with people way too much on certain levels but yeah it it is a major strength especially like in business and when because I've I lived in California. I moved out there without a plan, without knowing anyone, and that helped me so much. And yeah, it's it's been very beneficial.
1: So since we're talking about the kind of that connection and being able to be empathetic, let's talk about your business some because first of all, I'm very curious about the name of your business that or what you do that you're an intuitive marketing coach and content strategist. So how does intuition come into your work?
2: Oh gosh, marketing is very much like an intuitive art. There is there is the data and the facts and the stats and all of that, but when it comes to following the trends and seeing patterns and really building your business and growing your business in a way that is for you and is right for your audience, it takes a lot of intuition. And that, that takes a lot of self-awareness though. I feel like intuition is kind of a muscle that you need to, to really build and work on. But yeah, I really, there's so much intuition that you use in marketing that it's, And a lot of people don't really talk about that part of it, but that is a major part of your marketing strategy.
1: So the intuition is the art of marketing and not the science necessarily, but the art part of it. So you talk about intuition being kind of like a muscle that we can develop. Can you talk a little bit about
2: how we can do that? Yeah. I mean, just listening and paying attention being more conscious of what's going on and listening to your body, honestly, like one, one of my business coaches said something that was so true. And she said, your body knows where the money is because when you get those gut feelings and you, or, you know, you need to do something, but maybe you're putting it off or, you have an idea and it's been lingering in your head for a while and then you start to see things like that everywhere that's really it's really following your instinct and sometimes it may not be right but that is another beautiful thing about marketing it's it's just like an experiment you're just adapting and learning and yeah really following your intuition so
1: yeah do you find that folks tend to want to let the data sway them over their intuition
2: yeah oh yeah absolutely um i'll have people i mean i think every like coach or consultant or whatever can relate to this but i'll have people that come in with the kind of know-it-all attitude like well i've done this before and i heard i read this article that you're supposed to do this this and this and like okay well what how how does that how is that good for your business like how does that tie in to you and why do you think you need it and most of the time they're just like i don't know i just read it somewhere it's like okay well <laughs> everyone's different everyone's business is different everyone's audience is different so that data that you're seeing doesn't necessarily apply to you that's a different industry perhaps but Data is very important, but it's your data, like the data that your marketing strategy is giving you and what your results you're getting. So that is a, it plays a major part of it. It's very half and half, but you have to be looking at the right data.
1: I had a um, doctor explain to me one time, he's a, he was before he passed, an endocrinologist, right? So he's like looking all, and I, you know, so we're talking, and I says, well, and he said, all your stuff's normal. And I said, okay, well, I guess that doesn't leave us any answers, right? And he goes, no, no, you fit normal within the means of the data for all your demographics. But I will tell you that That doesn't necessarily mean it fits for you. Now, here I'm listening to this guy. He's like a longtime doctor. He is so respected in his field that I actually had another professional get me in to see him. Like I just said, I can't get in. He goes, oh, he's a friend of mine. I'll call. I mean, I had an appointment in two days. And this guy, he goes, no, no. It's just because the data says that you have to understand where you fit within the data. And we don't ever accept the data as only the data. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, when you're describing that, like the data is really important, but it has to fit for you. And then he said to me, he says, so let me give you an example. You're about five, eight. I'm guessing you wear somewhere between a nine, 10, 10 and a half shoe. And I go, yeah, depending on the style. And he goes, so what if I told you that average people of your height wear a nine? So here's your nine. So I said, oh man, I'd be in pain. He goes, my point exactly. Mm-hmm. It's a data point, but it's not, it's not your truth.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. And I mean, even rolling off of that, there are so many people who go to the doctor in so much pain or they've been sick or they've had migraines and their tests come back normal. So do they automatically, they're like, well, I'm fine. I feel great now. If the data's right, then let's go home. But there there is so, and that's where intuition comes in. And that's when you have to test out your diet and you really have to start figuring out what works for you instead of just going off of lab results.
1: So that brings me to another question for you. How did you decide specifically to serve the niche of wellness coaches and spiritual entrepreneurs? And then after you tell me that, tell me what a spiritual entrepreneur is.
0: Tired of feeling stuck and ending with the same result? Want to know how Sarah can help you with one-on-one or organizational coaching? Then book your free discovery call at sarahbox.com forward slash contact. Now back to the show.
2: So after college, I, like I said earlier, I moved out to California on a whim. I just needed to get out and explore and, when I got out there, I mean, growing up in Alabama, I mean, I really thought that eating a lean cuisine every night was like top tier health. Like I was like, I am killing it. I am, I am a poster child for healthy living. And when I got out there, I was like, why are people running at 6am on a Saturday? Like, aren't they, aren't they hungover? Or what, what is this? What is happening? Why are, why are people eating what they're eating? It, It was such a huge wake up call. And so I really started to learn about what health and wellness was. And then I became a marketing manager for a fitness app and started working with these fitness influencers and health influencers and really seeing how that all worked. And it was just so interesting to me finding out how to really heal yourself naturally and just feel better, look better, and feel more confident in what you're eating, what you look like, all this stuff. And a lot of the health industry and wellness, I mean there is also that spiritual your spiritual health too. And growing up in a Catholic church, I I never really clicked with it. I always just felt very oppressed. And it, it just wasn't interesting to me. Like I was just like, this just seems like a lot of rules that I'm supposed to follow or else I am eternally damned. And then I started really doing the research myself and seeing, okay, well, why does, why is everyone telling me that I have to be this way? And going back and figuring out, okay, well, I don't really believe in that and I'm okay. Like, I don't think God hates me for that. So Really, like I said, finding myself and learning more about okay, what's possible and seeing how the health and wellness industry work, it was just very interesting to me. And so when I find something interesting, I just go for it. And part of my when I started building my business, I was like, okay, who do I really like to work with? What do I like to talk about? And health and wellness was a major part of it and spirituality. And then you ask what a spiritual entrepreneur was, right? I did, yes. So I would say a spiritual entrepreneur is just, is someone who knows that there's a bigger purpose to all of this. Like they have a purpose to, in their business, like their business has a purpose and it's supposed to play into the bigger picture that, I mean, spirituality is such a, big term. There it's so such a wide net. But I mean, I've worked with like astrologers, I've worked with hip, hypnotherapists, I've worked with, I mean, all kinds of people, with Christian entrepreneurs. There, it's such a it's such a wide spectrum. But I think just having a spiritual connection or believing that there is a bigger purpose is Spiritual entrepreneur, I guess you could say. So
1: it's what connects them to the heart of what they're doing. Mm
2: -hmm. Yes. Yes. There is a bigger purpose to their business.
1: How do you think that affects when people, because I'm guessing people have asked you to work with them who don't come from that mindset because, you know, you've been in business long enough that you've had different experiences. Mm -hmm. So what do you notice is the difference when people come from that? And I'm just going to use, kind of that spiritual heart centered approach, right? that guides them. What do you know is the notice is the difference in that those businesses or their experiences of running the business. If there is a difference.
2: Yes. So, I heard a term recently that I am obsessed with and if I was a band, I would name an album or my band after it. But so everyone's heard of the word paranoia, but there's also a word pronoia is the opposite of it. So whereas paranoia is you think that the world is conspiring against you, pronoia is you think the world is conspiring for you, like things are happening for you. And that is a massive difference that I see in the two, the two groups. Because when you believe that... There is a divine plan that there is like the universe and God is supporting you. He knows what's best for you. She knows what's best for you, whatever you want to call that. But that is when you, you don't take things so, so hard. You don't take things so personally. It's not so personal you understand, okay, well, if this isn't, didn't work, then now I have that data. I know that this path wasn't right, but I needed to learn that lesson. And now I can shift over and do this. Like now this is what's better for me. That's, that wasn't the path. This is the path. And it's really just a big learning experience for them. It's a lot, it's a lot more fun and, And just easy. Like, it's just easy because people don't take things so, so personally. They know that there's a process to everything and everything falls into place when it's supposed to.
1: That's a huge mindset shift, right? It's like, it's not about making things worse for you. It didn't happen to you. It just happened. Mm -hmm. And then we get to pick how we interact with what's happened. And I love how you put it. You know, it's like it's a chance to figure out, well, that path wasn't meant for me. And when we have those kind of obstacles and setbacks, sometimes it's just great to go, man, I'm so glad I found that out now rather than 30 years from now or whatever. So it is that little be grateful for those obstacles because you never know. And they don't have to come at 100 miles an hour, Carol.
2: No, that was... That's a lesson I hope nobody has to learn.
1: (laughs) Oh my goodness. So talk about this, the program that you developed as a result of all of what you've learned. Um, And what I'm particularly interested in is is what's it like and how do your women who come through it, your, your coaches and spiritual entrepreneurs, how do they benefit from it?
2: So before I started coaching and consulting and before I even built a program, I had my own agency. Uh, I was, I was really doing marketing for like companies and businesses, bigger businesses, but I had so many female entrepreneurs coming to me asking to work with me, but I was too expensive to do like the done for you stuff. I was too expensive to write copyright for them or manage their social media accounts. And I really just saw a huge gap in the market and I enjoyed working or I enjoyed talking with them so much more. And that's when I realized, okay, this is, this is the path that I'm supposed to be on. I didn't like what I was doing. I really enjoyed like the higher level strategy, putting things together, and showing people how it all works and making sure that marketing is fun for you. Like when you have your own business and you're in the health and wellness industry, marketing can seem just like this daunting task. It can seem so overwhelming especially when there's so much information out there and like you said some people especially when you're in like the science field are so reliant on data and well this article told me how to do that I should do this and this and this and so I really wanted to shift their mindset to be like, okay, well, let's come up with a plan so that you not only bring in more sales, but you spend less money doing it. You are able to express yourself authentically. You're able to make connections. We're able to find clients you actually enjoy working with. And you have fun doing it. Like it's a fun, I want you to have, I want it to be a fun process for you because I love marketing and <laughs> it sounds so cheesy, but, but that's because I have found the marketing that I enjoy. I've made it fun and there's no one way to do it. So that is what WMA is all about. It's finding out who you are, who your business is and how, what your role is with your business, who you're going to help, what your story is, what your brand story is, how do you get that story out and come up with a growth strategy that feels good for you and your audience so that you're not having to spam people or sell your soul just to get a client, you know, so that it feels good for you. So that is that's what it's about. So it sounds
1: like it actually benefits people outside of that wellness market as well, right because those are found foundational questions
2: mm-hmm. it really is i've had and it's really not just for health and wellness entrepreneurs I have had a ton of graphic designers or business coaches or just all kinds of people come through and it is really all encompassing. The content really applies to everyone. I, I'm, I'm just a content strategist. So I use the name for (laughs) SEO and targeting. So (laughs) that is why it's called the wellness marketing accelerator. And I've, I've considered changing the name, but I've gone this far. So I'm just sticking to it for now.
1: (laughs) Your people will find you.
2: Mm -hmm. Right.
1: I mean, I think we can get so hung up on like those details that we never start doing something, Mm -hmm. you know, and to your point of like, okay, who who am I? What's my role? Right. That's a really important question that we sometimes we get so immersed in the doing. We forget to think about what's my role in this and what do Mm -hmm. I want it to be? Not just what am I good at because I'm the only one able at this point to do it ultimately long term. What do I want my role to be?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, know. exactly. And that's a lot of people skip over that part, and that is the whole part. <laughs> like you can't you can post on social media all day long and write blog posts until your hand falls off. But if you don't know what direction you're heading down, if you're not clear on your what you're supposed to be doing and how it plays into your business and how it's supposed to bring in sales for you, then what, you're wasting your time. And that's why people are so overwhelmed. They're like, I have so much to do. I need to be here and I need to post this many times. I'm like, okay, you gotta take a step back. Why? Ask yourself why. Why do you need to do that? And most of the time they're just like, I don't know. I just someone said that I should. I'm like, okay, well, that's that's not true. That's <laughs> you are, you get to way too much.
1: <laughs> you get to do your magic one and say, I now give you permission to stop, just yep. stop doing it right Don't now.
2: Step away from the keyboard. Uh, right. Is you are Yes, you're overwhelmed because you're doing more than you're supposed to. I always tell them, do more with less. Just focus on what you need to do and figure out why you need to do that and stick to it.
1: And it's helpful to have someone external, though, like yourself, to be able to say, okay, here's the world that you could be doing something in, right? These are all the different tactics. But if you don't know your why, right, which is my big thing, it's like, why? It's annoying. It's like that two-year-old question, why? Why do we do it this way? That's such a powerful question. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's a fair question. Mm-hmm. Why? Oh, yeah, I don't know. I Just because I thought I was supposed to or I didn't want to miss out or whatever. But... When you can answer the why with well, because that's the best way to help the people I want to help, mm-hmm. then that it starts feeling. better. Now, tell me to what degree when you're helping someone, does your intuition kick in? So, say you and I are working together, mm-hmm. and I'm and I've done everything you've told me, and I'm technically on paper, the data looks good, and mm-hmm. you're just going, I don't think so, Sarah. This isn't something's not right here. How do you ha- I'm guessing that happens for you since you've got the empath piece pretty tight
2: mm-hmm. what
1: do you do with that
2: oh yeah although it happens all the time um, I had a I had a client call yesterday actually where she was telling me that okay I had I created this this course about smoking but I and then i'm I'm writing this blog post about hypnotism. And then I'm, I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And she started talking about this other program that she wants to create about weight loss. I was like, okay, 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 okay. (laughs) Like This is confusing. Even I'm confused and I'm not even a potential client. So I was like, why, what is your core offer? Like what, what, what are you focusing on? Because you're branching out with so much. And that is, going you're you're gonna burn out like tomorrow I'm burnt out just listening to it so and that's coming from someone who loves to create I am just such a I just crank stuff out I love it but yeah I I have those all the time where I'm like okay stop <laughs> stop and just going back to okay why why do you want to do that why do you feel like you need to create that what what is the purpose and just bringing them back to center and really grounding them in because we start module modules one and two are all about mindset and your brand identity so we have that figured out before we move forward so just bringing them back to that information to their brand identity that we created and usually that puts them back on the right track but yeah they definitely a lot of people just need that outside like third party source to be like, okay, let's, let's wind it back. I th- I like
1: to think about it. Like, you know, when you're first learning how to bowl and they put the bumpers up, it's like, that's the direction you're going. You can go a little off. You can go a little to the right or the left, but ultimately you want to end up down there. Mm-hmm. So s- let's stay on this lane for the time being. And mm-hmm. then when we master this lane, we'll go over to lane eight, you know? Mm-hmm. And I know that has helped me as having coaches that have said, get back in your lane for the time being, or why haven't you done that yet? You know, that was your priority. That whole piece of staying focused and accountable is really um, helpful. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So with that in mind, I want to ask you for folks listening to this and, um, particularly for the women out there who consider themselves entrepreneurial or they're wanting to start something or maybe they're even already in a business, what are one or two beginning steps that they can take now, right now, without waiting for something that can help ignite their own personal or professional movement forward?
2: Ooh, that's a good question. Gosh, I feel like it changes every day, especially right now with everything going on. I would say, so something that's really been lingering lately and what I've been like a message I've been really called to put out there is around what your goals are. I think a lot of people are, get so caught up on goals that really are just impossible to reach or just put a lot of strain on them because they set goals around like the, they'll say that they, they want to reach $10,000 a month for the rest of the year or something when it's so much more effective to set goals around how you're going to get there around what tasks you're, you are going to do, what you can hold yourself accountable, accountable for, because when you set goals around the outcome, it there are so many different factors that you can't control. And like you're, you can't force your clients to pay you. You can't force, or you can't force people to become your clients. You can't, you can do all the marketing. You can write a blog post once a month. You can post on social media three times a week. You can set those goals and do what you need to do. Hold yourself accountable those ways. But ultimately you can't control others. You can't control some factors in that. So, and I, people just put so much pressure on themselves and then beat themselves up when they don't reach that goal. When in reality you can't, you couldn't control it. (laughs) Like, so, Yeah, I would say getting clear on what you can control and what you can't.
1: And then just taking action on what you can.
2: Yes, exactly. Exactly.
1: That's pretty good advice, especially right now where people have the choice of being freaked out or saying, okay, what can I control? Mm -hmm. Let's do it. Mm -hmm. You know, And it may not even be a business or a huge goal, but it's something that you can make progress on. Mm -hmm. I'm totally inspired by the number of people when I walk my neighborhood with my dogs that have spotless garages and manicured front yards now because they've been cleaning them. I'm thinking, oops, I've been working.
2: <laughs> so, yeah, I know. Same. God, I, I threw myself into work. Yeah, but I also, I've been buying a bunch of plants. So <laughs> That's how I've been. I've just been collecting things. So
1: I like it. But mm-hmm. I do. I appreciate that. I appreciate your advice because it's, it's doable.
2: Mm-hmm. It's really
1: doable. It's not a huge thing. So, Caroline, where can people go to learn more about your accelerator program, WMA?
2: So they can go to my website. It's socialgranola.com. Um, and those are social granola are all my handles for Facebook and Instagram, all over the place. So that is where they can find me. Just go to my website, socialgranola.com, and you'll see. You can join my free Facebook group. There'll be a link to that and just all kinds of information.
1: Very cool. And we'll put those links also in the show notes for anybody who's listening and doesn't have something handy to write down on right now. Okay, awesome. Caroline, thank you so much for your time today. I've really loved listening and learning from
0: you.
2: Thank you, Sarah. It was fun.
1: Good. That was my goal.